Hello, welcome back to the Court Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McInnes, and today I have the privilege of speaking with Joey Ramirez, the digital content manager for the Los Angeles Lakers, who just happens to be a University of Hawaii graduate. Before the COVID-19 pandemic shut down the 2019-20 NBA season in March, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the powerhouse Lakers were in prime position to make a run at a championship, out front in the stacked Western Conference with a 49-14 and record. But it had already been a trying season, one unlike any before in Lakerland. The tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, among seven others, in a helicopter crash in January, changed the tenor for the team and the entire organization, including Joey, a lifelong Laker fan. It feels like an eternity since that and the shutdown, but things are finally looking up. The Lakers are set to resume play in the Orlando bubble later this month, with Joey set to do his job from afar, helping manage the Lakers' media team. Listen on to find out how he parlayed his time in the islands into his dream job, latching on as a precocious 20-year-old. Here we go. Joey Ramirez, welcome to the Court Sense Pod, man. Thanks, Brian, man. It's good to hear from you, um, especially given that you were one of the first people who, in this journey of my career, you were one of the kind of first people to really step out and kind of treat me as a professional. So I really <laughs> was psyched to do this podcast. Um, it kind of feels a little full circle for me. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful to hear that, man, because you've, <laughs> you've, you've done very well for yourself in, in just a handful of years since, since college has ended. And uh, you're right in the thick of things with the Lakers and anyone who's even been remotely following the state of affairs uh, for the NBA and just the broader sports landscapes knows how crazy everything is right now. Uh, NBA is no exception. It, it was one of the first, I think, professional sports leagues to experience COVID on that dramatic day in March uh, that the league just kind of shut down after the Rudy Gobert thing, testing positive. Um, so Joey, just broadly speaking first, what have the last few months since March been like for you as uh, your job uh, with the Lakers? I mean, even beyond these last few months, this has just been the most trying year, I think, not just for me and my six going on seven years with the Lakers, but probably in the Lakers history. I mean, we've been in LA for 60 years now. Uh, we've been a franchise for, I think, almost 75. But this year has just been different. I mean, it, it all started, I, I was part of the travel party to go to China uh, in the preseason. And we all remember what happened back then when um, all of a sudden, it seems like maybe the games aren't going to be played because China is unhappy with something that a, a GM on a different team had tweeted. Um, so that was a fiasco unto itself. And then you know, the season goes through and the Lakers are the best team in the West. LeBron James is an MVP candidate. Anthony Davis, first year in LA. And he's, you know, living up to all the hype. All the role players are kind of, they're this perfect puzzle that has the Lakers in title contention. And then in January, probably the biggest blow to the Lakers possible happens. And that's obviously the passing of Kobe and Gigi Bryant, along with everybody else on the helicopter that day. And, um, you know, Brian, I, I think we'll get to more of this in, in a second, but Hawaii is such a, a Laker land, um, almost adjacent to here in Southern California, that I am curious as to what the reaction to that was like there. Mm -hmm. But speaking of for, for here in L.A., I mean, it was I, – I don't think I've ever seen one person's passing, and obviously it was more than one person's passing, but, but specifically when we're talking about Kobe, affects so many people. Um, and just what he meant, not, not only to hear – but the entire world, but also to hear specifically, um, the guy was just such a Titan, such an icon and, and such a, he was an aspirational figure. I think he inspired so many people um, around the world again, but also just so much here. And, uh, but it was also beautiful to kind of see everybody come together in that moment. Um, but for as trying as that was, then to, to, to finally answer your initial question, Brian, I mean, then all of a sudden, you know, a month and a half after that, we're hit with, with, with another challenge, which is COVID coming in and, and shutting down basically everything that all walks of life, not just basketball or pro sports, but like the entire world is going through this one thing together. 
And uh, as it pertains specifically to us, it's been a huge challenge. I mean, we, the Lakers were in a good spot. Things were going as well as, as things have been going since, you know, since Kobe was on the court himself back in probably 2010. Yeah. And now we're, we're trying to navigate this, this challenge, which is, you know, a challenge unto a challenge. And speaking, I think there are two ways to kind of break down your question. One is from the Lakers as a team. And I think, you know, just taking a look at what LeBron James is doing and, and specifically LeBron because he is the, the unquestioned leader of the team. And in my opinion, he's one of the, the greatest leaders to ever step foot on a basketball court. And, and you can really see, by the way, that this team has bought into his leadership style and to what he's trying to pass on to those guys. And I think that's been a good X factor for the team. Um, it's been difficult to kind of stay together as a basketball team during this uncertainty, but um, I think I think they've done as well a job as they could, especially considering one of the players, Avery Bradley, uh, didn't end up joining the team in Orlando because his son has a, a respiratory condition. Um, and, and everybody was understanding of that, which I think is great onto those guys. Mm-hmm. And then from our perspective as employees of the Lakers, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the more digital media side. I think it's been a challenge onto us because we, you know, we've been, we've had a successful operation this season and, and so much of that stems from having a great team. And so all of a sudden the challenge becomes, there are no games. So what do we do? And um, I, I, I'm just so in love with my team that I get to work with at the Lakers. They're just some of the most hardworking talented people that I've ever, I've ever come into orbit with. And I think they really took this challenge head on. Um, I think w- one of the things that we, you know, we took this time because there were, I think, four months without basketball, and that's longer than an actual offseason. And so we did this series that was the, the best of series of the Lakers, and we, we just dove deep into franchise history, and we got to show Elgin Baylor highlights and Jerry West highlights. And it was fun to kind of do those digging deep into the uh, archives, and uh, specifically with Kobe, because Kobe is – you know, Kobe was the perfect player for the era that he was in. Uh, he played 20 years and was also kind of right when sports photography started being really good and like all these different angles on broadcast. Like if you look at like the, the mid nineties footage, like it's pretty rough. It looks like, um, it looks like you like took a, a, a video with like one of those old Game Boy cameras or something. But, um, you know, Kobe came at the right time and he was just such a special player. And so getting to dig up not only the iconic moments, the 81 points, the final game, but like some of the some of the like stuff that people don't necessarily remember, that's been really cool too. Just like the off the backboard passes to himself, and and just moments like that have been cool to to share with fans and see their appreciation for that kind of stuff. Sure, man. And yeah, I, I was gonna ask you about that year, the year that's been in totality, the the season going back to that China trip that you mentioned. You got to go. I saw some of your your stuff on social media at the time. Like you said, you the season starts the the very tragic incident with Kobe happens. I mean, that's has to be one of those moments that you you remember like where you were when you heard the news, right? I mean, that's like can can you share just like what just that that you know horror whatever the the emotion was you were feeling and where you were what you were doing and I know exactly where I was. Like I just woke woken up and there was like a text thread, you know, among some some media here, just an absolute stunned silence basically like I, I just was staring at my phone like that can't be real like what what was that like for you man yeah it was it was really surreal I was um I was actually at my parents house with my fiance at the time and um it was kind of weird because I was I had just been telling her oh yeah today's my first day off in like three weeks and like let's go see a movie let's go do something and uh as we're like getting ready to leave you know, that the news comes through my phone and I'm just like, it's just, you know, the first thing is like, this can't be real. Like, uh, how do you even process something like this? And uh, I don't know, there was something weird about being in my folks house. And, you know, we're, I'm literally in this room that I grew up in and there are Kobe jerseys hanging in the closet in there. There's like, you know, there's, there's like probably three Kobe jerseys in there and, and oh, like man. the 04 all-star jersey. And it's just like so weird that like this idol of mine this news comes to me at this time. I don't know. It was, it was a weird processing point. And at that point, I just kind of, I needed something to do. I guess I just needed to feel useful. So, you know, obviously the, the off day was kind of shot. And uh, I just, we, I texted my, my coworkers and we all just tried to process it. And uh, a few of us decided like, yeah, let's just try to be useful. Let's, 
we all went, uh, a few of us went to, uh, to the Lakers headquarters, UH, uh, UCLA Health Training Center. And uh, we just kind of sat around and, and we were there for each other. And, and honestly, there wasn't much to do. I mean, at the at moment like that, you kind of just got to be there for other people. And um, I think that was very powerful. And, and uh, something that was great that our, our facilities manager did was she opened up the um, facility to fans to come in and, and leave flowers and basketballs and shoes and whatever they wanted to leave and, and write notes. And, uh, you know, there was, there was a bit of catharsis in that, mm-hmm. but I don't, it, that day is just so unlike any other day I've ever been through. Um, it was, it was good to be there with people who, you know, who had been there for Kobe and who knew Kobe and, and even people who didn't know Kobe, but were part of that Lakers family like it, it really is a family I I know it's every team likes to say that they're a family but the Lakers I I truly believe that they are and I think I think the fans really believe that they are and um it was all something that we had to go through together and, and it was incredibly painful but I think having people to go through that with was powerful sure man uh, absolutely and uh, you know going ahead a few months from that I mean the you talked a little bit about when COVID shut down the, the kind of the game plan that, that your team, you guys adopted with the, you know, the, the best ever or the, um, you know, just going into the archives and, and, and pulling out some of those legends. The Lakers have such a rich storied history that I'm sure there was no shortage that you could, you could right. access. Um, that's, that's one of the benefits of probably working for a franchise like the Lakers, uh, you Absolutely. Know, the 16 championships and all that stuff. So, um joey like was there any kind of inkling on your part like or the lakers you know team staff personnel like things are not looking good with this covid situation like we don't know what's going to happen or did it come to as big a shock as you guys when you know the league shut down like it did you know it was so quick um where and i think this even goes beyond sports it was just such a quick flip switch to go from you know normal life to all of a sudden okay people are staying home people are working from home um, certain industries are completely shut down. Um, we did have a small inkling. Um, I don't really remember. I think if I'm remembering correctly, I think our last game was on a Wednesday. It was against Brooklyn. And on that Monday, we started preparing for the potential for fans to not be in the arena. And it sounded like the game after that Brooklyn game was going to be our first game without fans in the arena. And um, that was going to be a challenge uh, for us because – you know, it's just so weird, right? And then obviously that's what's going to happen in Orlando these coming weeks. So it's going to be weird now, mm-hmm. but we were preparing for it to be weird then. And um, so that was really the only inkling that we had um, was we're probably going to go fanless in, in arenas. Um, but we didn't see the, the the entire league getting suspended like that. And I think I, I, you know, I think a lot of us had the same experience that day where, you know, you have a player test positive in the NBA. And then at the same time, Tom Hanks announces that he has COVID. And then I I forget there was, there was a third event, but it just seemed like there were so many, you know, this is real moments on that one day. And it kind of just flipped everything upside down. It went from like this hypothetical um, threat to all of a sudden, okay, no, they're, you know, celebrities are getting this, athletes are getting this, it's time to start taking this seriously. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully we could, we still continue to take this seriously. I, I think we can all kind of agree that we can do a better job of taking this more seriously as, as a country. Um, and, you know, from, from our perspective, you know, we always say like, the best way to get back to normal life is to, is to take it seriously right now. And, you know, that, that pertains to us specifically in, in sports because we can't have, you know, we can't, it's, it's a challenge to have 19,000 fans back in the Staples Center um, and to have that be safe right now. So, you know, we're, we, we are all for whatever can get us back into the arena fast, fastest. And I think, I think pretty much anybody who follows sports kind of feels the same way. Maybe you could give people like a little just, you know, primer and what's kind of your day-to-day like under, under normal circumstances and just, you know, your digital content managing uh, for the Lakers and how, how has that changed over the last few months, I guess, as you prepare for the, you know, the bubble in Orlando over there in Disney World, 
And my understanding is you're going to be remote, at least for the start of this bubble. And right. if the Lakers are in contention for a title, as many people expect they would be, if this thing can go to its conclusion, would you be able to go, at, say, they if they get to the conference finals or the finals or anything like that? <laughs> I think I'm about to tell you this, Fred. I'm just so not built for a bubble. Um, I, I don't think I could survive any amount of time, like, being quarantined out there so like that's not even like on my radar uh-huh. i'm very happy here in la um i but my day-to-day pre uh covid i think it, it was kind of here and there it, it definitely revolved around the the team itself because you know it's it's not your normal nine to five because these games start at 7 30 local time and then if it's an east coast game it might start at 4 30 and then so it's that's actually kind of one of the biggest challenges is like your sleep schedule is non-existent uh, when you work these uh, 82 games a season plus preseason mm-hmm. playoffs, summer league, et cetera. Um, so the day-to-day is a bit here and there, but for the most part it is, you know, wake up, um, do whatever I need to do around play- on the house, um, drive out to, to El Segundo, which is where the Lakers are headquartered. And then from there, it's kind of settle in. It's, you know, the players will probably start practicing around 11, um, go until 12, go downstairs. Um, you know, our offices are upstairs, the court's downstairs. So I'll go down for media availability, um, see what the players have to say, see what Frank Vogel has to say, say. And then it's back up. It's talking to our team about, okay, how, what can we do differently this game or this week or this month? You know, what, what are the storylines that we want to hit? Who are the players that you know we're interested in? Who are what? What are our fans saying? You know, are the, are the fans saying, "Man, we, we're loving KCP right now," or are they saying, you know, "Oh, you know, Quinn Cook needs more minutes"? I'm um, just kind of getting the the feel of them. Looking at our, we we do a lot of uh, data analysis, both in terms of covering the team, like uh, you know, stats and stuff like that, like understanding. All right, so. Um, this player is top 20 in deflections in the league. And so what does that mean? What does that mean about his defense? Let's take a look at the tape and see what that means about his defense. And then also our own data, you know, this, here are some trends that we see in what we're, you know, in in our coverage of the team and and how can we better service the fans by understanding what they want to see. And it's a lot of meetings about stuff like that and brainstorms and stuff. And then um, if it's a game night, we usually, I usually try to be there about three hours before tip off. And so in LA, that means I got, I got to leave El Segundo probably like an hour and 15 minutes to just to be safe, to get to stable center, um, get there usually four 30 for a seven thirty tip, um, meet with our, meet with our team, go over storylines for the night, go over, you know, who's shooting where, um, our, is our video, is our, is our videographer getting the, the baseline seat today or is our photographer stuff like that. Um, and then it's sit in on coaches uh, uh, press conference and sit in on, you know, player media availability and then meet with certain other people who, you know, may have more information than I do on a given topic and try to figure out, okay, what else is going on behind the scenes here? And then the game starts and it, it, those, that's the best part of the job, right? Is that 7.30 to 10 PM where we're, we're watching basketball for a living and uh, you know, making sure the team is, is, um, is operating at their, you know, best, you know, at the best of their potential and whatever I can do to help them hit their highest heights. Like I, that's, that's my job in that uh, kind of. So uh, are you you're kind of quarterbacking, you know, these, these various, I guess, media, um, different people doing, you know, the various forms of media, social media, video yeah. and, and yeah, just yeah. quarterbacking that I guess as, as best you can. Yeah, we actually, it's funny. We actually call the, the role quarterbacking. So that's, that's spot on. Um, my, my title is digital content manager. So I'm managing the digital content, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so um, while, while also keeping an eye on like, okay, well, what am I personally interested in? Because like, I'm very much a basketball junkie. And like, I, if I, if I notice like, oh, LeBron and, and Alex Caruso are running like this pick and roll combination, like five times a game, like, I want to figure out like, what are they, what, why are they doing that? What's the advantage that they're getting? What does that mean for, you know, the matchup down the road, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, our operation probably wraps up around midnight on a, usually maybe, maybe 1130, maybe one in the morning, but usually around midnight um, where we get everything that we want out of there. 
and uh, we start focusing on, okay, what are we going to do tomorrow for practice? Or if there's no practice, how are we going to take what we, what happened in this game tonight and make it relevant tomorrow? Um, so it's, it's, it really is a washing machine. We're, we're constantly, you know, in one year out the other, but it's, it's so much fun, man. And uh, that's also been the challenge of COVID is um, we don't have that anymore. And so it is kind of trying to figure out, okay, I wake up at the same time every day. I try to go to sleep at the same time every day. And, you know, to the best of my abilities, both understand what is coming down the the road in Orlando. What, what opportunities do we have to cover this team differently? Um, what challenges do we have, you know, working remotely? And we kind of just figure it out from there and, and try to play the long game, but also play a short game, I guess. Well, it's, I mean, it's clear just you talking about it. You, you can just sense, I mean, you exude like a love for this job and, uh, like, was this, I mean, was this the kind of thing you really saw yourself doing as a kid growing up in Southern California, you know, the team that you followed basically your entire life. And, and I, and then I want to ask you how it ties in with you flying out to Hawaii for college. How did that, you know, happen, become a, a reality for you? And um, obviously you took is journalism or communications at, at the very least, right? Journalism, I think. Uh, uh, communications. Communications, uh, pretty closely yeah. tied together. And yeah. uh, parlayed that in, into where you are now. So, could you have seen yourself when you were out here in Hawaii, you know, going to the University of Hawaii? I think you have a, a UH shirt on, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Is that a, a UH baseball shirt by the look of it, the it orange is. and green? Rainbows. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know you were at, uh, obviously, the sports editor at Kaleo, Hawaii, the UH student newspaper. You uh, did some KTUH, I think, on, on radio. You um, did some PA at Les Murakami Stadium and the softball yeah. stadium. So how did all those experiences really – Long-winded question, Joey, but how did all those experiences like lead up to where you are right now? Man, I I say it all the time. I I don't think I would have this job if I didn't go to UH. UH was the best thing for me, um, and it just gave me so many opportunities. And I think that's kind of, you know, I I've been I've been so grateful for UH, and I've also been grateful that UH is they've actually asked me to speak at some of their uh, accepted student. Um, orientations here in California Um, and the thing I always say is you know Hawaii and the University of Hawaii specifically are what you make it and I think they gave me every opportunity to kind of grow in the space that I wanted to grow and I think that has to do with just there are just so many great people out there and so many people that I'm I'm forever going to be grateful for because they gave me so many different opportunities. And you've mentioned some of them, KTUH, Kaleo was probably the biggest one. Um, And uh, you know, uh, again, uh, the, the public announcing (laughs) baseball and and softball. And that, that was actually, that's the, probably the best one because I, I specifically remember my first softball game that I'd ever announced. And uh, it came to bingo time. And Brian, you know this, like the the crowd at, at, uh, at Rainbow Wahine Softball Stadium takes their bingo very seriously. They do. And they're, they're, they do. they're a little bit of an older demo. And um, I came in there with so much energy and I was like, all right, B12, <laughs> I, I6, N4. And I, I just about caused a riot, Brian, because uh, by the time I got to G, everybody was like, slow down you need to slow down and, uh, <laughs> it was probably the best trial by fire for what i kind of do now which is you know i i'm i'm lucky i get to you know go on camera and talk about sports and uh specifically about the lakers which again to you, to what you just said is the team that i've loved since birth and that you know i grew up watching Shaq and kobe win championships and uh, i got to go to one of the parades and uh, those are just formative experiences but to go out to Hawaii and to kind of hone those, you know, those experiences and those skills into something that is truthfully given me my dream job. I I'm just so indebted to, to the people out there at UH and in Hawaii in general. Um, you know, you know, Mark Arakaki, who I, I think he's, he's currently the, um, uh, He's running Kaleo right now, isn't he? Am he, I he was doing some media advising, uh, Jay Hartwell's yeah. old role. I, I believe oh. he's shifted to something else at UH, but but I believe gotcha. he's still at UH in some form. Yeah, and Jay Hartwell was just incredible too. But like Mark, Mark's one of my best friends. Um, he's going to be a groomsman in my wedding, actually. And All right, he, congratulations. Thank you, appreciate that. Um, and he is just, you know, I remember I the, my first time on campus, I was like, I all right, I need to start working for the student paper if I want to be, if I want to work in sports, like this is what I have to do. 
And uh, Mark put me on this cycle of golf and cross country and like all these like sports that I didn't have appreciation for at the time because I thought like, oh, I'm going to be the football writer. I'm going to be the basketball writer. And he made me, he, he both made me earn it. And he gave me an appreciation for these other sports that just had such incredible stories from incredible athletes. And, you know, by the time that I was sports editor, I was willingly like, I was like, oh, I'm so psyched to go to a water polo game today, which is so far away from what I was as a freshman. Um, and like, and, and so I, I'm indebted to people like Mark, um, who really did, you know, both test me and open doors for me. And um, there are just countless people out there who, who really did that for me. And again, I, I, I always come back to UH is what you make it. And um, they, they allowed me so many opportunities. And, and I, you know, I let off this podcast with my gratitude toward you, Brian. But I, you know, for real, I know, I know I'm going to, I might make you blush here. But honestly, like, I, I love basketball so much. And for the basketball writer for the star advertiser to, you know, to treat me like a professional when I was, you know, an 18 year old kid, like that meant so much to me and to pull me aside and to, to give me, you know, the, the tricks of the trade. And, you know, and it, it, it was you, but it was also Dave Reardon. And it was also Steven Sy and like all these, all these guys who, who really did give me these nudges that they didn't even know that they were giving me these nudges, but they really did push me into this place where, you know, this amalgamation of all these experiences and so much of it happened in Hawaii, but all these experiences in my life, like allowed me to have this door open for me. And um, I think one of the, one of the key ones that I always talk about too, I know I'm rambling here, Brian, but no, I, go for I, it, man. I love this UH is all so you. This is all you. Um, UH was a kind of ahead of the time on, on the um, online courses thing too, which was perfect because, you know, now obviously everybody's online. We have no choice, but at the time, um, my senior year, I decided that, you know, I wanted to come back to California and I, I really wanted to give it a go at a, at an internship that I thought could launch me. And it just so happens that the Lakers had an internship open at the time. And, uh, it also just so happens that UH had the perfect, um, menu of online courses that would allow me to fulfill my, uh, my coursework online. So I was able to come to California and still be a UH full-time student while working for the LA Lakers. And, you know, if I were at a different college, like that might not have happened. They might have said, oh, tough, sorry, you have to take this random, you know, Spanish class in person or something like that. But UH and my advisor at the time, I haven't even talked to her in, in ages, but Jennifer Winter, um, she helped me structure my coursework because she knew that that was something that I was passionate about. And so to wrap that up, I mean, it's, it's again, just so many instances of, of, Hawaii coming through for me and and really op opening the store that wouldn't have otherwise been open. How how and how did you decide on Hawaii versus like say any other colleges you were looking at? Did you think that it'll just be a wild different life experience? Like what drew you out the middle of the Pacific? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it was, I think I needed that push. You know, I needed to experience something different. I've been I've been a Cal a Southern California my entire life, and um, my mom always laughs. Like the first time I ever left home was like fifth grade outdoor ed. And we went to like big bear, which is like maybe like, you know, an hour away. And uh, I was just miserable, man. I was up there for, for a week and like, I cried for my parents every single night. And so I, I knew that I was, I needed to break that eventually. And so coming out to Hawaii definitely did help me break that. It gave me that independence. And um, you know, it was also the perfect place to do that because there is just this culture in Hawaii and, and you know this as well as I do where people people embrace you and people want you to succeed and there is this um this kind of community there that rallies around certain things including the university um and I I remember I guess my first exposure to that was the 2007 uh, football team and just I remember staying up late in California every, every Saturday and watching this magical team that was going undefeated. And it was, it was, you know, at the time it was like, Oh yeah, this high scoring offense and this quarterback who, you know, grew up in orange County, just like I did, like that was kind of like the ties. But as you watch every game, you realize like, Oh, it's also the fans there. Like they just love that team so much and they're so passionate for it. And, you know, it is the biggest ticket in town out there. And, um, there was something magical about that. And, you know, my parents, 
you know, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for my parents for a million and five reasons, but one of them was that they, they did take me to Hawaii um, a few times in my childhood and, you know, getting to experience that firsthand. I, I always knew that I had this idea in my head that I wanted to live in Hawaii at some point in my life. And, you know, when I was young, I used to think like, oh yeah, I'll, be, I'll retire in Hawaii. I'll be like a, I'll, I'll just like, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do here. And then by, by last years of my life, I'll live in Hawaii. And um, as, as you get older, and obviously I wasn't like old, old, I was still in high school, but like you realize like you, you may never have this opportunity again. And so I really did want to take that. And especially because Hawaii is such a special place. And, you know, again, I've, I've told you this ad nauseum already, but like that paid off in, in dividends because it really did so much for me as a, as a human and as a professional. Well, and I mean, look at you now, man, you're doing all kinds of multimedia appearances, not only this podcast, but uh, you're a regular, I think on Spectrum Sportsnet LA, right? You, you've been having increased appearances like on actual television, which actually that channel is available out here in Hawaii, the, the Lakers signature home home station, if you will. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's it's been a, a whirlwind is kind of the cliche, but I think it applies in, in your instance, Joey. And, you know, within maybe a year on the job, maybe you finished that internship and you were back out here in Hawaii, the Lakers were stationed for preseason camp and that was going to be Kobe Bryant's right. last go round. He had already said so. So everyone knew what the stakes were coming in and, and there you were back in the Stan Sheriff Center, like, like nothing had changed. It seemed like for at least for a little while there, um, you know, that, and then, you know, Kobe goes out with his 60 point game at home, which, which you got to be a part of. And, um, what do you think, I mean, did that year, that's specifically, I guess, your second year on, on the job, was that like a formative experience for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the trip back to Hawaii was a big part of that because it really did feel like this this opportunity for me to kind of have that full circle moment where, it, you know, this this place where I had been for, for three years, like that had propelled me so far, like to be able to go back there and under the, the circumstances that we went back there, like that was amazing. And, you know, Hawaii is such a Lakers place. And so, like, to see the Stan Sheriff Center packed for Kobe and, like, especially because, again, like you said, like, that was his last year and everybody knew it. And he loved Hawaii so much. And, you know, Dr. Buss, who was the Lakers, you know, legendary owner for so long, like, he he considered Hawaii his second home. And and, and Kobe even said, like, you know, I, I feel like a local that I'm every time I'm out here. And, and like, there, there just is kind of that tie to to the lakers and to hawaii and and you mentioned also spectrum is out there which um i remember uh my my freshman year i think maybe it was my sophomore year but it was the year that the lakers got dwight howard the first time and i had spectrum in my dorm and i was like watching every single game and i was so hyped because i thought the lakers were gonna win it all and like that obviously didn't happen for that team um but it was still just so cool to watch to watch the lakers in my dorm every night that they were playing and then fast forward, all of a sudden I'm coming back to the campus, you know, working for the Lakers. So that was so cool. And um, I remember, you know, John Barry, the um, um, one of the SIDs. I don't know if he's is John still For, there? formerly. He's up uh, up in the the Northeast now. I think he also recently got married. So shouts to John Barry for oh, uh, good John. for tying the knot up there. Yeah, he, um, no longer at UH, obviously, but um, he was a mainstay for quite a while. <laughs> Yeah, and John was so cool to me. He he was one. He let me call games at, at Les Murakami, which was so cool to call baseball games with like Diamond Head in the background and like a packed stadium. Like that was so awesome. I, I love John, um, but I also remember that when I walked into the arena the first time with the Lakers for that training camp, I ran into John, and John was like, "Joey, what's going on? Aren't you supposed to be in class?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Dude, I haven't been here in like two years. What do you mean? You literally haven't seen me in two years." Um, so like moments like that were cool. And like, I got to stay with Mark for a little bit, Mark Arkaki. And um, that was, that was a great experience going back there. And then fast forward, like you mentioned to Kobe's last game, that was a magical night. Like, I think we all went into that game thinking like, all right, Kobe's, Kobe's going to drop at least 30 in his last game. And um, man, he goes out there and he drops 60 and the energy in that arena that night, I, I've never felt anything like that. It was it was like a somewhat between like a rock concert and a basketball game and a religious experience. And I was about to say like, that. Yeah. <laughs> people were crying. People were falling over. People were losing their minds. You had celebrities courtside. 
who were acting like they were, you know, six-year-old kids, um, just screaming their heads off. It was, it was definitely a night I'll never forget. And like, just, you know, be, being somebody who, who did idolize Kobe when he was young. And then, you know, for, for as much as I did get to work alongside him slash cover him for those final two years of his career, like, and then to have it end like that and to, you know, to have the opportunity to be there for that game. Like that's, that's a moment that I'll just remember for the rest of my life. And, and I, I obviously look back on that a little differently now that, you know, the, the tragic passing of him and his daughter um, ha- has happened this year, but man, I, I don't know. There's something about that night that just, it's, it almost goes beyond sports, you know, just watching somebody who had the will to do something like that under that kind of a spotlight. Like it, it really does inspire you in other ways beyond sports. Well, Joey, I mean, the Lakers have always had superstars pretty much throughout their, their tenure in Los Angeles. And after Kobe's retirement, you know, there was maybe a a sense for a little while of, well, now what, you know, now what happens? Um, Anthony Davis joins, a couple of years ago and then and then LeBron comes in you know a year a season after that and the last couple of years year and a half of LeBron has just been you know the megawatt superstar that outage that he he you know he just the the life of a superstar in LA you know is back in big time in, in LeBron and what does that change for you you know and, and the team and and just how you have to do your job and um, knowing that there's a guy like an all-time legend arguably the the greatest of all time uh, right. there right next to you on the court. Uh, how, how do you just go about your day to day? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think the best or the first thing that I think of is like, Oh man, I get to watch good basketball again. Um, because my first few years with the Lakers were, was some bad basketball. I mean, I think they reset their uh, franchise loss record like three times in a row in my first three years. And so it was actually good that those were my first three years though. Cause I was just so wide eyed and like, so like excited to be at Staples center and to work for the Lakers and like stuff like that. And just and to, to have Kobe right there. Like that, that it was good that that happened at that point in my career, because I was still very much like just soaking it all in. Um, but to ha- to go from those years to this year where they are just such a juggernaut team and, and a true title contender, like that's, that's first and foremost. Cause as I told you, I'm a basketball junkie. So getting to, getting to just watch a great, a truly great team night in and night out is, is great. And to, to see the way that they attack defenses or, or the way that they, you know, they scheme for an opposing player or, you know, that LeBron James just reading the defense like five steps ahead of time, like that stuff for, for a guy like me who can't get enough basketball, like that's first and foremost, what comes to mind when he asks that question. I think the second thing though is, it, it calls upon you to bring out your own a game. And I think if you ask anybody on our team, like on, on our coverage team, that's, that's what they'll tell you is like LeBron James is going to, you know, is going to hold himself to an A plus standard every night. Anthony Davis is going to do the same thing. So we have to do the same thing, especially given that there is a bigger spotlight on what we produce now, because every video, every article, every, you know, every tweet, every Instagram post is seen by more and more people. Um, our social followings have, you know, gone up several, several, several million in just this year alone. Um, and with that, it's, it's great because we get to we get to look ourselves in the mirror and be like, "This is a great ride," um, and we're doing some things right. But it also comes with that responsibility of, all right, well, we it's on us to represent you know, for our fans, for the players, for whoever else is, you know, who, whoever else wants more Lakers, like we have to give them the best coverage that they, that we can because they're investing in us. And so um, that's kind of, that's kind of where, where, where that's been. But I think for the most part, the, the responsibility is, it kind of is what it is. It's, it's the Lakers. Like you, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard because that's what this place expects of you. But at the same time, just having the opportunity to, to cover a team that's this strong and that's led by, like you said, a, a, a truly all-time great like LeBron James and to, and to get to watch him 82 games a year. Um, that's, that's something that is really unique. And that, that's something that like, I try to, I try to remember that as much as possible because these games do go by fast. And especially like in this season where you never know what might happen. I mean, the, the season got suspended as we talked about, um, 
but to truly appreciate just like getting to see a guy like this who, you know, we'll look back on him like people look back on Jordan, which is, you know, you, you can't truly appreciate him unless you watched him every single night. And I, I'm, I'm grateful as a basketball junkie that I do get to watch him every single night and to kind of pour through what, what makes this guy tick. Uh, do you have any singular interaction, you know, at practice or anything or in, in this, one of the scrums that are probably like five people deep or more? Uh, any, any one thing that kind of stands out to you, like a little story of it doesn't even have to be LeBron, like any favorite of yours, Kobe going back, you know, anything? Yeah, that's a good question. I, got, I think um, – so with Kobe, I remember I, I took the internship when I was 20 years old. Um, and I remember that because my 21st birthday was like the first month on the job. And I was like, this is so weird. And so I, I knew that if I got over the hurdle of asking Kobe a question on my very first day, like I could do anything. Like that was the hurdle that I needed to get over. Because like I, I worshiped Kobe when I was a kid. And like now all of a sudden your, your job is to ask him questions. And it's like, all right, well, I, I need to get over that real quick. And so I asked him a question on, on my first first day um, on the job as an intern, as a 20-year-old intern. And, you know, he gave me – I don't even remember what the question was, but he gave me a great answer. And and I think that that empowered me for, you know, for that year and, and honestly through the rest of this ride because if Kobe Bryant took me seriously, then, you know, then I could I – could, I, I had claimed for anybody to take me seriously. And so like, that was, that was kind of the formative Kobe experience. Um, I, my, my go-to story is when Magic Johnson, um, when he became president of the basketball operations um, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. we had this, right? I think so. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, we had this employee town hall and um, there was this big spread for breakfast. And like, I, you know, I, just, I took it upon myself to just load up my plate and um, all of a sudden magic walks down and uh, he's, he's like, you know, he's doing the magic Johnson thing, right? He's, he's got the, the giant smile that dazzles the whole crowd. He's pointing at people. He's, he's giving high fives he's giving handshakes. And I'm like, Oh man, this guy knows how to work a room. And he's walking toward the place where I'm, I'm standing and I'm like, Oh, this is cool. Like, my dad like loves magic Johnson, like getting to meet magic Johnson. Like that's, that's cool. And uh, I realized that I have just, I have this bagel with cream cheese that I've been eating and my hand is just covered in this cream cheese. And I'm like, Oh crap. Magic Johnson's going to try to shake my hand and it is covered in cream cheese right now because I'm such a slob. And so like, I try to be slick about it and I try to like wipe it off under the plate and like try to like (laughs) scrape it off. And, uh, but the plate is styrofoam, so it doesn't really scrape off. It just kind of spreads it more onto the palm of my hand. Oh, no. Meanwhile, magic's coming closer and closer, and I'm just like, oh, man, I'm such a mess. And um, he gets to the group that I'm standing in, and he's, like, giving handshakes, and uh, he comes up to me, and I, you know, the master of the no-look pass, right? He comes in for a fist bump, and I'm just like, oh, thank God. Like, somehow this man knew that, like, I was in no-fit state. To, to shake his hand and He's got the uh, vision. I got away with that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, Joey, I'll ask you a couple more and I'll, I'll let you run. Um, do you ever get a chance to swap stories, Hawaii stories with Phil Handy, uh, who's, you know, assistant coach, player, player development on the Lakers staff now? That's a very good question. I, ha- I have not done my due diligence on that. Um, Phil and I both uh, know each other as fellow Bows. Um, I made sure that he knew that, that we, that we had some UH representation in the organization um i i sent him a photo i think i forget who tweeted it but of him as a uh as a rainbow warrior um back in the day and um but we have not swapped stories i do have to get his um his experiences out in uh because from what i can from what i hear he was a killer out there he uh he was defensive player of the year i think in in the whack one year he was definitely all all defense at the very least and uh, yeah they they counted on him i think maybe 10 10 to 12 points a game helped uh, bring home a, a big a whack championship at the time in 94, I believe. So yeah, Phil, Phil was, uh, he was a mainstay for sure. I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to get some Phil highlights, man. Cause like that, he, he can still hoop. He is so, his handle is, is probably better than like 80% of the players in the NBA. <laughs> like he, he is crazy. And he, he comes to the gym with like the full like swag on with the, with the legging tights and everything. Like Phil, Phil can like take some ankles. So I, I would love to see his actual UH tape. 
Yeah, me too, man. Me too. It, uh, he definitely was before I, I really started following UH Hoops by a little bit, but um, I also, I'm also hoping to have him on this podcast sooner or later. I'll probably try nice. him again once uh, maybe a little further on in the bubble experience. But, but yeah, Joey, you know, one, I guess, last question. Um, everything is so political right now that just the, the national environment, especially and uh, NBA players, I mean, we've seen it. They're, they're less and less hesitant to speak out on these issues. I mean, LeBron is a great example, right. Of, of a guy who will speak his mind on, on the issues of the day. And, um, you know, with the, the Black Lives Matter movement being so uh, prominent and in the spotlight right now, I mean, how, how do you guys, as you know, your team, your, your group of, uh, you know, the, the media arm of the Lakers, how do you see your role as far as augmenting that conversation or, or standing aside and letting that conversation take place and let these guys either speak for themselves or through the, the Lakers organization? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think I'm really proud of the way that the Lakers have, have approached that in particular, especially because, you know, I think, I think this, this is one of the great awakenings here is that, you know, this really isn't a political issue, at least in our eyes. It's, it's very much a civil rights issue. It's um, black lives matter. Shouldn't be a controversial statement. And one of the things the Lakers did is, is they went out and, and you know, we, we hired a, um, I, I forget her title. I, I, I don't want to mess it up, but essentially she's from UCLA health. Her name is Dr. Karita Brown and she's phenomenal. And she speaks to the entire uh, Lakers. Every Laker employee is on a, on a town hall with her every week. And she brings in guest speakers to talk about issues of race and of civil rights and of inequality. And, you know, to, that has nothing to do with basketball, but it, it has everything to do with being a human. And to, to have that resource available to us, and you know, she has office hours too for anybody who wants to talk to her one-on-one. -on -one. Like to have that resource available, I think is a great thing that the Lakers have set up. And as it pertains to, to the players, I think, I think it is kind of a role of amplification because these are players who, you know, they, they have their own platforms, but it's also kind of on us to, you know, this, this is what the players care about. And that goes beyond, that goes beyond any singular issue. I mean, JaVale McGee, is is a guy who you know most people know him as like he's the guy who dunks he's the guy who blocks he's the guy who's who's goofy but he also in the offseason he'll go to uganda and he'll dig water wells with his uh charitable charitable foundation jug life and so like stuff like that just like what do these players care about like truly care about you know lebron james with the i promise school in akron like stuff like that that's that's also on us to to kind of show the world, all right, yeah, like we want you to know these guys as basketball players, but we, all, we also want you to know them as people. And um, when it, and, and I think the NBA has done a pretty good job on this particular topic. Like I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing the players with social justice um, uh, messages on the back of their jerseys and place of their names. Um, you, have, you have a guy like Alex Caruso who like, you know, the, the world has kind of fallen in love with Alex Caruso because he kind of, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't look like you're a typical NBA player. He maybe looks like you're accounting, but the guy can ball. And um, here's a guy who is using his newfound fame and is wearing black lives matter on the back of his Jersey. And I think to have that coming from a guy who, who, you know, maybe most people only see him as the white dude on the team, um, which is obviously, you know, a, a diminishing way of, of, you know, characterizing what, who he is and what he brings. But for, for the people who do only see him like that, to have him wear that message on, on his jersey, like I think that says dividends about, you know, about him, about the organization, about the league, and about kind of where this is going. Because I, I do think that we'll look back on this moment in time. Obviously, we'll look on, back on this, this 2020 moment in time in so many different ways. But on this specific issue in this moment in time, I think we'll look back on it as a moment where, you know, people did start realizing that it's the the phrase that we always say at the Lakers is it's we're not trying to be non-racist. We're trying to be anti-racist. And the more that the more that we can follow that North Star, I think the, the better off we'll be just as, you know, as NBA employees and just as people. Yeah, well said, man. Well said. Um, well, Joey, <laughs> final, final question, I promise. Um, no worries. You know, the Lakers were out here, as we talked about in 2015. It's uh, the Clippers have been making a little inroads out here. You know, they've I held yeah. preseason camp three years in a row. That's uh, quite the statement from their organization. Uh, 
you know, <laughs> what do you think about the Lakers coming back out here again anytime soon? Obviously, there's bigger concerns with COVID, and next season is coming up in December, uh, tentatively at least, or at least that's the, that's the plan right now. Can the Lakers make it out here again down the line? Do you have any sway? <laughs> Dude, I wish I had some sway. You know, I would be pushing every day of the year for us to come back to Hawaii. Um, I, you know, the, the main thing is what you just said, which is that, you know, with COVID, everything is just so like uncertain that anything to predict anything, I think is, is kind of, you know, a foolhardy Aaron <laughs> that, yeah, 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 exactly. Right. And so, but the one thing that I do know is that the bus family and, you know, Jeannie bus, who is, who is the owner, the, the primary owner now, who, you know, took over after her father, uh, Dr. Bus, the bus family loves Hawaii. The bus family feels like a spiritual connection to Hawaii. So I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that the Lakers will return to Hawaii and that it is a matter of, of it, of when, not if. And I think, I think part of it is also that the Lakers, you know, they, they did just open up this new training facility and so holding training camp there made, made a lot of sense because, you know, you just built this new brand new state of the art complement complex, might as well do your camp there, make it easy on everybody. But at the same time, just knowing how much the buses love Hawaii and how much the Lakers organization loves Hawaii and how much Hawaii loves the Lakers. I think again, it's, it's when, not if. All right. Well, when that happens and not if, Got to try to get the Spurs to come out with you because I am a Spurs fan oh, and I know that's that's painful. I'm sure for you uh, after we just spent an hour talking about the Lakers, but um, I had to you get that, that on here somewhere. Yeah. I, I really did. I really did. And um, yep. So let's make that happen someday. But but Joey Ramirez, it was great talking to you. Thank you for for sharing your your thoughts on current events and you know what kind of ride it's been for you and and what's hopefully to come here with some uh, successfully executed basketball in the bubble and beyond, man. Yeah, knock on wood, man. Appreciate uh, getting to be on this podcast, man. Just going to talk to you again. Like you've you've been a, you've been part of this journey for me, and I, I appreciate everything you did for me. All right, Joey. Well, I and others, I'm sure, out here on the islands on on the rock, will be following your continued exploits as well. So, good luck, man, and we'll talk to you later. All right, Brian.